2: Well, as has been mentioned, we're going to start Romans chapter 12 tonight. We're only going to do two verses. The first two verses, very powerful verses that speak to who we are, the truth of who we are. You know, we talk about that a lot here. In fact, just about every Saturday. Question is, how often do you think you need to be reminded? Well, if you're like me, you need to be reminded all the time. Because, you know what, the truth is that... That reminder should not be condemnation to us. It should be affirmation. Because it's not saying become. It's saying be. It's not saying that you should try to be. It's saying that you are. So when we remind you of who you are. There should be a voice of praise going up within your soul. That says, yes, that's who I am. Not condemnation, it says, gosh, I wish I could live that way all the time. You know, if you start praising Him for who you are, you begin to live like who you are. That's the truth of it. You'll go a lot further on the praise and the affirmation of the Spirit than you will on the condemnation of the flesh. This is really a matter of obedience. That's really what it is. My body is functioning right now because my heart is being obedient to the way it was made. And when it stops being obedient, I stop living in the body. Well, that's true of you guys as well. Concerning your identity in Christ, when you are living out that identity, you're being obedient to the way God made you. You're functioning naturally. Naturally what we're going to talk about tonight is not something that you literally have to impose upon yourself or God's asking that He might impose it upon you. What we're talking about tonight is really about recognition and affirmation. Because for us, it's all done in Christ, is it not? It's all yea and amen. So at this point, for us, it's a matter of renewing, reaffirming recognizing the truth. You see, what the enemy wants to convince us of emotionally is that somehow we have to create these things. He wants us to think that emotionally I have to create my union with Christ, my fellowship with Him. That if I'm not feeling it, it doesn't exist. But you know what? We can come here tonight and every one of us I think most every one of us can stand up and make a testimony to the truth that Christ is our life. And I don't care what kind of week you've had. I don't care how big a stinker you were. I don't care what went on in your life. You could still stand up and make that profession, that testimony. And all of heaven would shout amen. Because you know what? That's how they see you. And that's how God wants you to see yourself in Christ, his own. It is a matter of obedience. And true obedience is an outward expression of an inward reality. That's what true obedience is. It's really not you trying to create something or do something. It's an outward expression of an inward reality. It's us behaving in accordance with who we are. Now, Paul, you've heard me say this before, Paul has an order to his writing. In all of his epistles, he begins by telling you who you are before he tells you what that's supposed to look like. He begins to tell you by telling you you are a child of God before he tells you how the child of God is to live. Because we're not to approach obedience from condemnation. We are to approach obedience by faith. Recognizing that everything that is needed in order to be obedient, is already complete in us. And obedience for us is the natural way of living. It's not something, again, that is imposed on us. Now, obedience is the fruit of our true identity as Christians. Religion and legalism teaches us that we must do in order to become. The new covenant tells us that our doing should come from our being. Now, If you're not careful, you'll get that order reversed. Tonight, we're going to look at some scripture that has that specific order to it. If you get it out of order, you will leave here condemned or unaffected. But if you keep it in order, you will be affirmed. Now, you may be moved by the Spirit of God to change some things in your life and the way that you function and the things that you do. But know this. That if God moves you to change something, it's for your good. It's for your blessing. It's like you're out on on the beach looking for a lost diamond. And God says to you, you're digging in the wrong place. Move over there. Well, I don't want to move over there. I think it's here. God says, if you'll move over there, you'll find it. Well, I believe it's here. I think if I dig long enough, I'll find it here. You know what God does? Suit yourself. Keep digging. (laughs) That's the way he treats me. And then, out of utter frustration with a huge hole and bloody fingers, I look up to God and say, How could you do this to me? I didn't do it. I told you it's over there. I move over two feet, and dig, and there it is. Now that is the truth of obedience, and that is the truth of God's guidance. He doesn't have to punish us for being disobedient. Being disobedient is unnatural to us. So we want to keep the things in order. We want to keep it in the way Paul wrote it. So I'm going to go back a wee bit in our scriptures and try to keep it in context for you. If the Spirit of God convicts and moves in your life, I want you to understand this. I want you to see it the way Paul wrote it. The truth of it is like he wrote in Philippians 2.13. He says, not in your own strength. For it is God who is all the while effectually working at work in you. Energizing and creating in you the power and desire. Both to will and to work his good pleasure and satisfaction and delight. That's the truth of obedience right there. It is God Who puts that in you? It is God who completes it. It is God who empowers it. But it takes that first step of faith. It says, you know what? I'm going to believe God to do these things. So let's start in chapter 11, verse 33. And then I'm going to read down to chapter 12, verse 2. Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unfathomable, inscrutable unsearchable are his judgments, his decisions, and how untraceable, mysterious, undiscoverable are his ways, his methods, his paths. For who has known the mind of the Lord, and who has understood his thoughts, or who has ever been his counselor? Or who has first given God anything that he might be paid back, or that he could claim recompense? For from him... And through him and to him are all things. For all things originate with him and come from him. All things live through him. And all things center in and tend to consummate and to end in him. To him be glory forever. Amen. So be it. Chapter 12, verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brethren... And beg of you in view of all the mercies of God to make a decisive dedication of your bodies. Presenting all your members and faculties as a living sacrifice. Holy, devoted, consecrated, and well-pleasing to God. Which is your reasonable, rational, intelligent service and spiritual worship. And do not be conformed to this world, this age fashioned after and adapted to its external superficial customs, but be transformed, changed by the entire renewal of your mind, by its new ideals and its new attitude, so that you may prove for yourself what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God, even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in his sight for you. Now let's take a look back at at verse 1 of chapter 12. And Paul is giving us the pathway for abundant life, for abundant living. It is so vital and key and key to the way that we are to live that the spirit of God through Paul literally pleads with us. This is not a passive suggestion. This is an absolute necessity to walking in victory. Paul says, I plead with you, I beg you in view of all the mercies of God. In other words, with a focus on all that you have in Christ, all that you have been delivered of, all that you have become by his grace, in light of God's sovereignty and the path that he has made for you, do this. And again, Paul is referring back to the doxology that we just read in verses 33 through 36 in chapter 11. Paul tells us, we know through the scripture that every obstacle to living in this way has been removed by the mercies and the grace of Christ. There's only one obstacle left, and it's your will. Because this is a matter of choosing. Now that you are a new creation, justified and at peace with the sovereign God, please do this. In fact, one one writer that I read commented that I beg you is the language of grace, not the language of law. This is not just Paul's pleading. This is God's passionate appeal to us as his children. And the mercies of God is a Hebraism which really means mercy heaped upon mercy and and blessing heaped upon blessing. Now, again, keep in mind the order. God has told us who we are. Now he's telling us how we should live. The truth is that unless we have received this mercy and blessing, we would never be able to or have the desire to be obedient to God's call, would we? If we had not come this far, we wouldn't go no further. The spirit of God is pleading with us to make a decisive dedication of our bodies. He says, "Presenting all your members and faculties as a living sacrifice, holy and devoted, consecrated." This is placing our bodies at the disposal of the spirit of God. What it is is it's a picture of the first Levitical offering, which was a a voluntary burnt offering in which that sacrifice was completely consumed on the altar. It's a free will offering. A matter of choosing. This is a presenting of a holy sacrifice. Did you note the wording there? That this body is a holy sacrifice to be consumed for the glory of God. It is a recognition that your body is to be an outward expression of the inner truth. Now, I want you to understand, he says, presenting yourselves. Not too long ago, I went and voted. And when I voted, I had to present who I was and what my political persuasion was, what my party was, okay? I had to present that, but presenting that did not make me that way. I was already there. I was already of the political persuasion that I was before I stepped up there. I presented it because they needed to document it. Presenting it declares me. I was declaring who I was. It affirms who I am in the minds of those officiators, okay? So here's the truth of it. Your body belongs to the Lord if you're a child of God. It belongs to Him. But if you walk in the deception that the body is who you are, you have possessed that body as your own and are declaring it who you are. If you believe that the body is who you are, you will not live to the truth of who you really are. Is that confusing? I, think, I hope everybody got it. We're small enough you can raise your hand if you didn't. The truth is that if you are living to the body as who you are, you're not living to the truth of who you are. It is placing our body at the disposal of the Spirit. It is a recognition that the body is now to be the outward expression Of our union with Christ. Now there should be a determination. To see your body as a consecrated instrument. Dedicated for the work of God. Like the implements of the uh, Old Testament temple. They were considered sacred. They were considered implements of worship. They were considered God's property. So they were sacred. They were not to be used for profane use. Okay. Well, that's the reality of this body. It is an implement of worship. It is to be used to glorify and to honor God. Now, remember, we go back to the beginning of what Paul is saying and what the Spirit of God is saying through Paul. And he's pleading with you. This is how important it is. Please, please, please. In fact, he uses the word beg. I beg you, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. The totality of that body as instruments of worship and praise. What is he saying? He's saying, own who you are. Live out who you are. Walk in who you are. It is the only way. It is the reasonable way. For you to affirm the truth within you. Because if you continue to walk in the world as a body, to believe that you are who you see in the mirror, then you will live like everybody else out there. You will live to the same things they live to. You will have the same coping mechanisms they have. And while that's awful sad for you and the people who have to live around you, the reality is that God didn't, doesn't need another body living like the flesh. What He needs is the Word to become flesh in you. What He desires is the Word to become flesh in you. Why? Because He needs you as a witness? No, because you are His child and the greatest joy He has is to see you act and behave and own the truth that you are His child. Because it's in that, that we have communion with Him. It's in that, that we have moment by moment intimacy with Him. It is in that, that we live out the abundant life that He's called us to. That's how essential it is. In the past, you know, uh, in Christian circles, it's been all about, well, I'm going to dedicate my body into the Lord so that the Lord can use me. Do you hear intimacy in that? I don't. And you know what? I really believe a lot of folks prefer it that way because they like that degree of separation. Well, if I'm going to be used of God, He'll have to do it. You know what that is? That is flesh. It is resignation. It's saying, Lord, if you want to do something miraculous, well, I might climb in on it. It is presumptuous. It is presuming that you have the reins And if God were to knock on your door, you would hand them to him. It's not yours. The body that you're living in doesn't belong to you. It belongs to him. And it has a purpose. I am to present myself as a living sacrifice. I'm alive only to be consumed. I am dead to my individuality. I am dead to an identity apart from Christ. I am dead to myself, but I am alive to God. It is the truth of Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. In him I have shared his crucifixion. It is no longer I who live... But Christ, the Messiah, lives in me. And the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in, by adherence to, and reliance on, and complete trust in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. By faith, I live in the body according to who I am in Christ rather than who I am in the body. Did you get that? By faith. I live in the body according to who I am in Christ rather than who I am in the body. Why does that take faith? Because you look in the mirror, you look around you, and everybody treats you according to this stuff, don't they? The world is addressing you according to this stuff. Advertising, music, everything this world throws at you is to get you to identify with this stuff. It is a stronger influence and a greater reality that the Spirit of God has placed Himself in union with you that you might identify with Him. With Him. And you know what this stuff is? It's an accessory. That's what it is. If it becomes more valuable to you than your relationship with Him, is this life in you more valuable Than this life outside of you. Is that how you see it? What do you spend most of your time thinking about? What do you spend most of your time keeping up with? What is the priority of your mind? Presenting your body is to present all of you. As you do in a marriage. In the same way husband didn't come up there and, and get before the preacher and say, Listen, I, I present uh, my ability to provide for our family. And the woman gets up there and she says, Well, you know, I'll present the caring for any children that might happen. And I think I'm a pretty good cook. I'll, I'll, I'll put that up here. And we're supposed to make a marriage out of that. No, you come up here and you are presenting all that you are. Every bit. They're not receiving your ability to cook. They're not receiving your ability to take care of kids. They're not receiving your ability to earn an income. They're not even receiving your ability to love them. What they are receiving is you. You. All of you. When we make a commitment to the Lord, when we say, I present myself unto Him, we are saying that all of it belongs to you. Well, you say, Well, that's rather an academic statement. I know it all belongs to him. Do you really? When we say I am to present myself as a living sacrifice, he's not saying that this is a new, that this that this is the time in which he took possession of you. He is saying that what you are believing and what you are embracing and owning in that moment is that it is his to be consumed as he chooses. If you really think about that, that's not something you can flippantly profess. Your bodies are instruments that will be used by something. They will be given over to the inclinations of the flesh, or they'll be given over to the spirit. There's no alternative. There's only one or the other. Flesh, spirit. Not union of flesh and spirit, which is where most Christians think they live. But flesh or spirit. There is no union between the old man and the new creation. There is no union romans six thirteen Paul speaking says, "Do not continue offering or yielding your bodily members and faculties to sin as instruments, tools of wickedness, either instrument of sin or an instrument of righteousness, but offer and yield." "...yourself to God as though you have been raised from the dead to perpetual life, and your bodily members and faculties to God, presenting them as what? Implements of righteousness." This is a caution against duality. He says, don't continue doing this. Don't continue to view yourself in this way. Don't continue to try to acclimate yourself to the world and its pleasures." Don't continue to to put your hopes and your dreams in in the flesh and in what the world can give you. Don't continue to try to present your identity as being something in this world. But set yourself apart in the truth that you are a new creation, a child of God. Surrender yourself to the truth that you are a new creation. And your faculties, you know what that means? Whatever you got up here between the ears. That's what he's talking about. Your capacity to be. Your mind, will, and emotion. What are you giving it over to? Oh, this is a caution against duality. To present means to yield. Romans six nineteen says, I am speaking in familiar terms because of your natural limitations. For as you yielded your bodily members and faculties as servants to impurity and ever-increasing lawlessness... So now yield your bodily members and faculties once for all as servants to righteousness, right being, and doing which leads to sanctification. 1 Corinthians 6.20 says, You were bought with a price, purchased with a preciousness, and paid for, made his own. So then honor God and bring glory to him in your bodies.
1: Thank you for joining Pastor Todd Granger for His Life Revealed, the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We hope today's message has encouraged you to yield to His life in every situation. Rest in His life moment by moment and receive from His life all that you need to show Christ in this world. If you'd like to know more, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. And you're invited to join us for worship services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 7015 Wurzbach Road. If you would like to help support this ministry, send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. And finally, this coming week, our hope is that the image of the invisible God would be visible in you. And remember, wherever you go, whatever you do,